you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Thank y'all for tuning in to another episode of the NFL's Players Podcast. I'm your host, Peanut Tillman, and this week we have one of the greatest to ever play the position on our show today. He is the NFL's single-season rushing record holder. He's a gold jacket member. He's got a red jacket. He was the number two overall pick in the 83 draft. He led the NFL in rushing four times, uh, ninth all-time in uh, rushing, five-time first-team All-Pro. He is one of the 100 best football players of all time. The author of the new book, Watch My Smoke, the man of the people, Eric Dickerson. What's up, Ian? How you doing, man? I'm doing good. That Out of all the my intros, I got to say, I'm going to pat myself on the back. That might be my best intro. I practiced <laughs> that like 17 times, just so I, you I like know. That. I like, so I, like the, I like the last I like the last part of man of the people. A man of the people. Yeah, I I don't know. I get nervous when I meet all you guys with these gold jackets because I aspire to to have one of those one day. So, um I met I met your teammate just a quick quick story. I met I met your teammate one time, Jackie Slater. And <laughs> I didn't think he knew who in the heck I was, but he called me out and said Peanut from like across the way. Called me out in Houston. He's like Peanut. Hey, Hey man, come here. Let me holler at you real quick. And I looked, was like, that's that's Jackie Slater. Jackie Slater know my name. Oh my God. Like I feel <laughs> like I just I don't know. I don't know what it is about when y'all got them gold jackets. I I just man, y'all are that's the man, football, please. football royalty at its finest. Cause I I want that thing one day. I'm trying to be like y'all. Truly, I, I am. You don't, you don't want that loud ass jacket, that loud screaming jacket. That was you know jacket. what? I want it for the first year, and then after that, yeah, I'll, I I can be like that. But right now, <laughs> I want that loud ass jacket. I, I, I want that. it. I want it. So, um, first off, man, I read the book. It was it was interesting, and I got to say, it was uh, you didn't hold anything back. It was no. you, you were you were extremely vulnerable. And I commend you on that because today you don't really see a lot of that. It's it's hard for people to be real, be vulnerable because they want to be able to appeal to the public. And you're just, again, a man of the people and you just you speak your mind. And I, I, I like that. I, I really enjoyed that. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. I mean, I've always been that guy, you know, back in the 80s. I was that guy. And, you know, I was a. Uh, I was vilified for it. I was made to be a bad guy just because, right. you know, I tell the truth. I mean, my, my dad had a saying, he said, son, um, the truth is the truth. He says, not yeah. popular all the time, but it is the truth. It'll never change. And that is the truth. I mean, like that's my truth in that book. It's nothing made up about it. Um, all the stories in there are true stories that really happened. Uh, where I feel about situations, where I feel about people. And, um, you know, I just, I'm, I'm glad that I did it. I, I did it for my, my good friend, Gustavo Miguel. He was the one who said, man, you need to do a book. And I, I've had several guys that I knew that said I should because of some of the stories, you know, we got talking. And man, I didn't right. know that, Eric. I didn't know that about you. And a lot of things people didn't know, you know, that's, that's in the book and things. 
you know, some things I probably forgot to even make it to the book, but you know, that's, that's my life. So let's, so first off, I'm, I'm from Texas. I'm from Coppers Cove, Texas. It's near Austin, the state school. And, um, yeah, I don't, I'm not a fan of a UT either. You know, I used to want to go there and I used to get all my little, my little recruiting letters and they never even spelled my name right. They used to call me Charles Tilly. So at that point, after once they got my name wrong, I was like, man, the hell with UT. I ain't, I'm not, I'm not trying to go there. Um, talk about how difficult it was in, in, in Sealy with, with, uh, with coach Harris, you know, your, your senior year. Um, well, you know, Coach Harris came from, I forgot, he came somewhere in East Texas. Uh, yeah. And he, he had never coached black players before. Uh, we heard about it when he, when he was coming, coming mm-hmm. up to Dealey. And, you know, I was, our class, my seventh and eighth grade class, that was the class that they said would win state champ, state championship or possibly two. That was the class. And he happened to catch us, you know, I think my freshman year. He came out at the end of my freshman year. And um, he was just different. I mean, we, we could tell it was different for us all the time. You know, mm-hmm. blacks. I won't forget one of the first things he said. You know, you got the, you know, you want warming up, running up down the field, just warming up. You're like, hey, 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 stop, stop. Why are all the black guys in the back? I want y'all all to the front. Y'all get to the front, you know, and run faster. Um, and so that was that it started with that. Right. And that was that was just one thing. And it just escalated and it got to the point where, I mean, it just got so bad that I, I think I told in the book that all the black guys quit except one. One guy didn't quit named Winston Brown. Uh, and and he, he didn't treat us right. I mean, it was just always us, always do something wrong, do this. We couldn't have our hair, if you had afro, you couldn't touch your ears, it had to be over your ears, you know, it had to be mm-hmm. the circle over your ears, couldn't wear a gold chain, you know, couldn't have any facial hair. And, and the thing about it is, even the white kids noticed it. They said, man, that's not right. I mean, they even noticed it. And so we, uh, it was in our lockers, you can have anything in the bottom of your lock except your shoes. So if it was a pencil, or a piece of paper or whatever, you have to run. So sure enough, he goes to the lockers. All the brothers got stuff in the bottom of their locker, supposedly. So now we got to go out and run the next day. And I mean, I mean, run after practice. I mean, run like right. run to he says. To he says it's enough. Mm-hmm. So eventually, all of us, every guy, eventually just just started running. Man, I'm just, this is crazy. This is crazy. And finally, I'm like, man, this is just crazy. I just and all of us quit. And so at that point, you know, I love football. I mean, I loved it, but I didn't. I didn't like being. I didn't. I didn't like him. And um, my, I, I think I, I said this guy named James Abernathy named Shaq. Yeah, he came to my house. He came to my house. Uh, I was, I think it was, a, it was after I was my sophomore. Because I really quit my sophomore year. Came to my house and he said, uh, "Miss Dick, how you doing?" Said, hey, Miss Shaq, how you doing? You mind if I talk? Eric and talk to him. She said, "Sure, take him and talk to him." So we got in the car. We rode around. He said, "Eric, he said, man, how you doing?" I said, "I'm good." And Shaq was from another town called Brookshire, right over by Cedar Brookshire Royal. Mm-hmm. He said, man, I heard you guys, you quit football. I said, yeah, Shaq, man, I don't like that coach. He said, none of us do. And so, you know, he listened to what I had to say. So he said, let me ask you a question, man. He said, when you ride around this town, what do you see? And you know, in our town, you see guys down the corner with, you know, the paper bag, the alcohol. Right, the right. Nothing, you know, well, it's just guys just wandering the streets. And it was one red light. And I said, I say nothing. He said, actually, you're right. It's nothing here, son. He said, let me tell you something. He said, I know you don't like that coach. He probably treating y'all wrong. He said, but if you don't, if, if, if you just think about it, come over to Brookshire and play if you, if you don't want to play and see. He said, because Eric, you're one of the best athletes we've ever seen in these parts. Now that, I still remember him saying that because it blew yeah. me away. You know, think about it. I'm 16 years old. Mm-hmm. Like, what? I mean, me? He said, you said, you're one of the best athletes you've ever seen in these parts. He said, 
this could be your way out of this time. He said, I'm telling you, he said, think about it. You know, if you don't want to play, Steely, come over to Brookshire and play. So sure enough, I go, you take me back home. My mom said, well, ask me, what did he say? I told her. She said, she said, I don't like football. She never did like it. She said, but I don't like you quitting, son. She said, if you want to go to Brookshire and play, I'll take you over to Brookshire and let you play over there, or Columbus, or wherever you want to go play. I said, no, you know, I, I, I wasn't sure. And so I got a call from my friend, Gary Hill, the next day. He said, Eric, he said, man, has, has rap been in your house? I said, no, nah, the house was what? He said, come by every player's house. We'll come back and play. So sure enough, he came by my house, and I talked to him, and I told him I'll think about it. We all got together. All of us got together. All the brothers got together, and we talked about it. So we said, okay, we'll give it another shot. We'll try We'll try again. So we went out and we played, and uh, we played well. I mean, we played well, but, you know, I was my coming into my my junior year. Um, we we, we should have won district, but we didn't. And the next year we won a state championship. Mm-hmm. You know, this it it's not no feel good story. You know, people think, oh, we won the state championship. You know, like you know, rim of the Titans, and I wouldn't want them kind of stories. Right. But I, I'll say this much here. You know, I, I always give credit where credit is due. Uh, it was many years later. It was only uh, probably about three years ago. Mm-hmm. I talked to him. A guy called me with him on the phone. I didn't even know. I know the guy named guy named Dana. He said, "What's up?" I said, "What's up, Dana?" He said, "Man, I got somebody who want to holler at you." I said, "Okay." And I picked up, put him on the phone, and he said, hey, Eric. Man, Pina, as soon as I heard his voice, man, my heart started beating fast. It was like <laughs> I was an 18-year-old kid again. Yeah, yeah. And I, I the said, power I, they have. The power that I said, the power that the coach has over yeah. a young player. Yeah, I said, well, I said, what's up, Ralph? He said, how's it going, Eric? I said, man, I said, it's good. What's happening? And, uh, you know, I, had to, I put the deep voice on. <laughs> so, <you know? laughs> I ain't no said, kid no more. I ain't no kid no more. He said, he said, Eric, he said, I just want to say, man, you, you've had a great NFL career, great college career. I just want to say congratulations, all the stuff you've done. And uh, he said, Eric, I want to say one thing. He said, I'm, I'm sorry the way I treated you guys. He said, I'm really sorry the way I did you guys. I said, man, I said, Ralph, man, thanks for saying that. I really appreciate it. And to me, it showed that as a kid, I thought I was right. But, you know, you get old, you think, well, maybe I was wrong by saying yeah. that. But. Man, I knew I was right about the way he treated us, and mm-hmm. and he just passed away not not long ago. But I got you. You know, like I say, it's, it's you know, like I say, he, he grew. You know, I grew too, and so you know, that was that was how it was back then. You think life would have been differently if you wouldn't have had Shaq kind of persuade you to going back to the team? You know what? I always feel like this. I was I would say God has a plan for all of us, no mm-hmm. matter what it is. You know, it's, it's going to happen no matter what. I think right. Shaq was just was just that one tool to make me see yeah. what, I, what 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 God had in store for me. Because honestly, I didn't think about playing pro football. I didn't think about playing college football. Really, until maybe Seriously? My, no, to my, my senior year. Because we don't think about it. You got to think now. You're talking about 1979. It wasn't like it is now. You know, all the, everybody's on TV and all these recruits. It wasn't all that kind of stuff. You know, right. they, had to come, they had to come find you in these little small towns. You mm-hmm. know? And if you didn't, if you wasn't a, a big recruit, a, a big-time player, some of them, they couldn't find you. Or somebody right. knew about or somebody write a letter or something like that. So I just thought, you know, I, I didn't think about it until my senior year and all the coaches start coming. Everybody started coming. And I was excited about possibly, you know, going to college and playing playing college football. Something I saw seen on television. Yeah, that's yeah, I'm 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 kinda in well, small town, Carpus Cove, uh wasn't highly recruited out of Texas. So I ended up going to a you know, a smaller D one school like SMU and you know, my whole thing was I just there's enough schools out there. It's someone's job. I know I'm good enough that uh, I'm good enough that somebody will find me. I didn't have a, an exhausting recruitment process like you. 
I wish I did. I wish that would have been a good problem to have to take all the trips and everything. I wonder what life would have been like for you had you gone to Oklahoma. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. You know, that's a great question because I always think about that. Uh, yeah. But I think about it in the sense that, did you see The the Best It Never Was with Marcus Dupree? Yeah. You started, you started on 30 to 30? I did. I always think that possibly that could have been me. Because, yeah. and we went in reverse, reverse roles. I don't know. Because really, I'm glad I went to SMU. I'm glad I stayed in Texas. That's what my mother wanted me to do. I'm going to stay in Texas. Say, Eric, mm -hmm. say you're a Texas boy. Why are you going to go away to Oklahoma? I'm an old lady. I'm not coming to no damn Oklahoma. She, and, you know, so, you know, she said, you ain't going to live in no Oklahoma. You know, I just think about football at that time. My, right. my life, she said, son, she said, first of all, I don't trust that man, Barry Switzer. I don't trust him. And she said a couple of, she said one thing that was really prevalent. She said, go somewhere where you can be the first. You can start it. They'll be talking about you forever. You'll be the guy. You and that guy. She said, you and the guy. She said, boy, named Craig James. I said, it's my name, Craig. And sure enough, it worked out just like she said. Mm -hmm. I got half of credit. Yeah, that's that's good. Yeah, I I won six games in college. We were terrible. I won six <laughs> games in college. You know, we used to play Texas, LSU, all these big time. You know, uh, Division One schools, big great programs, and we used to get destroyed. You know, we used to get destroyed uh, in Lafayette at the Raging Cajuns, and. Again, my whole thought process was I'm going to be the big fish in this small pond. Somebody will recognize me. And then fast forward four years later, I get drafted. You're the number two pick. I wasn't that good. I was the 34th pick or 35th pick, you know, coming from my my small school. So to your mom's credit, I like I like what she said, because that was my that was my thought process. Like, eh, I'm going to go somewhere and. I kind of want to put that school on the map. I want them to talk about me, not this guy or that guy. And that was, that's a process, how I thought. And it, it, it kind of still works to this day. Um, you talk about your mom a lot in this book. And I, and I like that. And uh, Viola, she reminds me of my, my mom's mom, you know, <laughs> from Mrs. Uh, excuse me. She's from Tennessee. Just, uh, the great migration did all that came up here and she grew up in a time that was rough. It was hard. It was difficult for black people at that time. And she was raised in a tough world and lack of better terms, a white man's world at that time, especially in the deep South. And I could count on one hand as many, she told me she loved me. I could count on one hand that many times <laughs> she told me she loved me. And but as I'm reading, I knew, knew she loved me because she go. would go to bat for me. I it, She would go to bat for me. But hearing you describe her and all the characteristics and all the adjectives that you use, it literally reminded me of my, my granny, Lorraine Griggs. She is just stone cold me. But you know what? <laughs> she going to fight for you. She love you. She might tell you once or twice, but you know she, she your people. And... My dad has said this to me, 
And your mother says this throughout the book, uh, uh, if you want to call it the, the, the words of wisdom from Viola, and it just goes, it's different for us. Yeah. You know? that, 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 that's true, man. I mean, it's funny because, you know, I've talked to quite a few brothers that have read the book, or read, mm -hmm. have read part of it, and they're like, man, Eric, I can really relate to this because it's us. I mean, it, we, it's, it's, it's our struggle. And I, I, but, you know, it's just not about just black people. It's about people in general, just good right. people. We've got to be good hearted. Uh, my mother, I mean, she's, she's really my great, great aunt. I was adopted by her and my dad. Mm -hmm. My mother, she was born in 1904. And I'll never forget, you know, some of the stuff she'd always say to me. She would say, Eric, son, it's different for you. you you're a black kid. It, it ain't the same. It, it's not, it's never going to be fair. And when you're young, you know, I was growing up, you know, young, I don't mean, get I'm it. Like, I'm, that, that's not, that's not true. Like right. I said, my, they, they, the, the best people always play. Or they, you know, the best people, you're a good person. Said, son, it don't work like that in this world. And I really found out that that day when I went to try for league baseball, that was that was, that was my okay. I get it. It's to a point now where um, I went try. I hit. I remember I hit two or three. I think I hit three home runs. I could catch. I could run. And uh, I didn't make little league. I mean, they put they put all I men because I was in a small town, but all the little white kids made the one made the league, and myself and another little black kid was on minor league. And when I, when I went home and told my mother, she said, how'd it go? I said, I didn't make Little League. And she said, Eric, I tried to tell you, son, it's different for you. And, and I just, that, that kind of that showed me it really was because, you know, she was the type of person that she didn't trust a lot of people because she, is, right. she, is, she was, Eric, I've seen what the white man would do. Mm -hmm. I'm not telling you what I heard. She said, I don't, I'm not telling you what I heard. I'm telling you what I saw. Cause you got, you got to think 1904 and I didn't really, you know, get a, get a concept of that to much, much later in life. Right. You see, Eric, I saw, I've seen them hang black men. I've seen them cut their privates out, stick it in their I've seen this with my own eyes in the South. And, you know, I still didn't, I still didn't get it, but you know, for her, I understand where my mom came from. And at the end of her life, I'll never forget. I'd never gotten, never been married. My mother said, Eric, she said, you know what I was once you did a black married a black girl, and I did I did always black, white, Hispanic. You know, uh, she said, "But let me say this to you, son. I just want you to get a woman that loves you for you. That's all I want for you, son." Yeah. And in the end, you know, no matter what the color thing, she got that, and I got. I mean, I and I, that's how I live my life still. Because you know, my mom and dad were my mom and dad were total opposites. Right. <laughs> total opposites. That's how my grandparents are. Yeah. And that's my gra my grandfather's like your dad. Like yeah, very calm, calm, real low key. Doesn't yeah. say a ton. She does all the talking. He's talking. just like, uh, all right, yeah. One, I told you, she could have been my she could have been my grandmother. Your mom and dad could have been my grandparents. They uh, exactly the same. Mean and surly, my grandmother, boy. She going to let yeah. you know. She going to let, you, let you. Oh, my God. She going to let you know. It's funny, though, because my grandfather, God rest his soul, he was like that, too. You know, he was probably born in the, I want to say, maybe the 20s or the 30s. Mm -hmm. But he used to say that about white people. And, you know, I'm I'm a kid and, you know, much different than the 30s or the 40s. But I'm just like, hey, granddad, why you say that? Why, you know? And then my dad and I had a conversation one time, like your mom did with you. And it was like, my grandfather grew up around this time. And he, he kind of brought that on my dad and my dad moved to Ohio and everything my grandfather told my dad was, you know, white people are bad, white people are this. So my dad grew up thinking that 
Then he moves to Ohio and he gets around some white people. And he's like, well, wait a minute. These white people are actually cool. It's not like what, it ain't like what you said. Daddy, like, they cool. I mean, there's some mean ones out there, but these ones right here, you know, they, right, they right. cool. I like them. We, they let me over for dinner. We hang out. We play game, basketball. We ride bikes. We, you know, and then he kind of instilled that within myself and my brother. So when I grew up, it was black, white, Latino, Mexican. I'm a, I got a military background. So I had a whole community of different ethnic backgrounds, Puerto Rican and Dominican. Like it was, it was, it was, it was great. And then, yeah, man, it's, I wish, I wish everyone could have that, that foundation of, of learning what other ethnic groups do, how they eat, how they are, how they talk, just, just learning about them. You know, that's, yeah. uh, that's, that's a, that's, oh no, a beautiful thing. I I'm, I'm blessed in, uh, in that regard. So transitioning over, you know, when you got to college, I like what you said, because I've said this a lot about the NCAA, about um, I watched the 30 for 30 about the Fab Five and how the University of Michigan made so much money <laughs> off of Chris Weber and everybody. And a lot of people just assume because you're in college and you're on scholarship that you're taken care of. Hey, I went to bed. I went to bed hungry many a nights, the tuna fish, ramen noodles, you know, that was, that's, that's what I was eating, but I'm on, but I'm on scholarship. But then the NCAA, they want to get mad when, when you want to get paid. I 1000% agree college athletes need to get paid. And I think they, they prey on young kids who don't know what they're actually doing, who don't have the financial education to do certain things. Cause like you said in your book, you were sending that money back home to your mom and them, right? Yeah, yeah. The little bit I was getting, yeah. They, 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 people think I was getting all this money. Like I was getting like a, like I don't know, like ten thousand a month. Man, I, I was getting a thousand a month sometimes, not not right. even all the time. And that would, I mean, it may feel like a lot of money, but like you said, man, it was times that I went to bed hungry. I mean, really. I mean, it was it was not. It, it wasn't like what people thought it was because you know I feel like that the the athlete, if it's black, white. But football runs these universities. They make so much money off these football players, football teams. I mean, and, and a lot of these kids are, are black kids, and we don't have any. We don't, I mean, some some come from 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 educated parents that 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 have made you know done well for themselves. But on average, it's most of a grandmother raising a kid, a single mom, sometimes a single dad, or sometimes a stepdad and a, and a mom. I mean, and they don't have the education nor the knowledge to understand what you're worth, what you're worth and what you can get possibly. And so right. now, so now they know, they really know what we've been saying all this, all this time is the NCAA, they're like the mafia. <laughs> they, they, you do the work, we take the money. You get a scholarship, you get a roof over your head, but you don't really get no money. I mean, that, that's kind of it and for, for the young kids, but now they get a chance to get the money, which I think is great because sometimes Look, everybody's not going to play professional football. Everybody's right. going professional basketball or baseball. So it gives some of these kids something when they get out of college to start with, to have mm -hmm. a, a start on life. And that's the big thing because the universities have made billions of dollars and it's time for the guys and the girls who are actually doing the work to get something out of it. I 
1000% agree with you. Um, so when you got drafted in, what was it? 80, 84, 83, excuse me, 83. What was that draft process like? Did you have like a huge, was it, was there like a huge draft party? You no, had a big time Texas gotta, style you gotta, barbecue. You, you got to go back and think about the year. 83 or the 80. <laughs> <laughs> see, we thinking about the guy, but they, but they got, I got on the nice $1,500. Well, no, because look, I seen Dion when Dion went, Dion had a thousand chains on. He had the Jerry curl. Like he, <laughs> he had it. I mean, what, what was your draft? What was your draft day like? Nah, my draft, you know, my draft day was like, I got the call the night before. The Rams okay. told me they were going to draft me. My best friend, uh, that we had a, we had an apartment together. And uh, he said, man, he said, because they said you're going to have, a, we'll have a ticket for you at the airport. Say my flight was at 10 o'clock, you know, catch a flight, and then somebody will pick you up at the airport. And he said, man, congratulations. So he got up that morning, drove me to the airport. We listened, we listened to the draft on the radio. He and yeah. I in the car. And, uh, and I won't forget, they took John Elway first. They said, everybody knew you were going to take John Elway first, probably. And they said, the Rams take a quick pick, running back Eric Dickerson from Southern Methodist University. My guy said, man, congratulations, Dick. I said, man, thanks, man. And so I got to the airport. You know, people congratulated me. That flew to, flew to L.A., got to L.A. Um, didn't realize that we weren't in L.A., we were in Anaheim. So <laughs> we driving out. Orange County. Like, yeah, Orange County. I'm like, wow, what did L.A. behind us? Got there to the press. To, got there to the press conference, you know, with my little tweed wool jacket on. I won't forget my my tie and stuff. I think I, I think I only had like two two jackets and one suit. Um, did the press conference. That's what it was like. I mean, it was no it was no big hoopla, nothing like right. that. Just, right. I just did the press, all the press that day. And um, I won't forget one of the reporters asked me, well, like, was was I their savior? Like, like I'm the savior." And I, my reply was, "I mean, I'm no savior. I just come here to play football." And I doubt that wasn't the answer they wanted to hear. You know, so. It was never like that cozy, you know, we love you media thing with the media. I, I never, I never had that ever. But my draft, that's that's how my draft went. And I got did the press conference stuff, flew back to Dallas that night. My buddy picked me up. We went out and went to a place called Confetti's. And man, I got so drunk. That's the first time I got drunk, really <laughs> drunk like that. And they had to drive me home. Okay. Yeah, it's a little bit different than mine. A little bit different than mine, but uh, still a good time. Still a good time. Um, everyone has their 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 NFL their their NFL. Oh my God! This is I'm in the league. This is awesome. I can't believe I'm playing a kid's game. Um, you you tell a story about um, LT. Now I've seen all the mic'd ups with LT and how crazy he was and the stuff he said and how hard he hit and what was what was that experience like? Your first game. I won't forget, we, we go down and we're going to play the Giants uh, it's on opening, our opening game on a, on a Sunday. And um, I think it was, it was like a Wednesday, a third, like a Thursday. We put in, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna put a play in. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we're going to put a play in where you have to block the outside linebacker. Outside linebacker is Lawrence Taylor. Could, could say possibly, possibly be Lawrence Taylor, which it was. I said, Lawrence Taylor? I said, what you mean blocking? Well, you ain't got to block him long and just get his hands down. I'm like, that's Lawrence Taylor. I said, <laughs> you know, you ain't got you just, just just cut him and get his hands down. Okay, so I'll never forget, man. I'm thinking about this play the whole week. <laughs> like, man, why in the hell they put me in in this situation? So sure enough, you know, the game was going to get the game starts. And, you know, they, you know he is a talker. He was a talker, you know, talking right. north the whole game. And what know, year was this? What you what year was this for LT? 
Uh, this was his uh, second year. It's my first second, year. Okay, he's the year older than me. So he okay. made you know he made all he made all everything that year. Okay, his his uh, his rookie season. I mean, rookie of the year. You know, player of the year. Player, he made he made everything. So now I'm, I'm playing against the LT. I mean, and so I mean I know who he is. So sure enough, you know he's ah you rookie you ain't gonna man just I'm like oh god I'm scared but I'm, I'm but I'm having a pretty good game. Like, you know you get to the floor again. You're not football. You get to the floor. Yeah. You kind of forget about it. I, I'm, I'm I never say nothing bad. So boom, the third quarter, the play they call the play. I know they call that play, and he's on the edge, on the edge, leaning down with his hands, to, you know, moving his fingers. The tight ends gonna just push him and slip inside. Mike Barber, that's exactly what he pushed him and slipped inside. LT came with a quick rush, and I came up quick and I cut him good. I mean, I cut him to the ground. <laughs> I cut him. I'm getting up, going back to the huddle. You can't say bad words on here, can you? You can't. I don't want to say two bad words. But anyway, he grabbed me by my arm. He said, hey, you mother, don't you cut me? And I'm looking at him. I'm thinking, we're going to laugh. You hear me? Yes. So I just leave off the field. You know, <laughs> you picked up a first down. I left the field. I went to the sideline. I went to the bench. I sat on the bench. And they called, looking for the running back. They had to call a timeout. My coach came over to me. Eric, what? I said, uh-uh, nope. I said, Bruce, that man said he's going to kill me, Bruce. I said, why y'all do me like that? Man, then they start laughing. I said, hey, Bruce, I said, no. I said, I'm not going back in, Bruce. Eric, just wait a few plays and go. I said, why y'all do me like that, though? Eric, it's a play. I'm like, I'm like, well, I'm not going to do that play again. So we put somebody else in. So sure enough, after the game is over, I go over. I go to apologize. I said, I'm, you know, thank, I'm, like, I'm like a kid. I said, Mr. Taylor, man, I'm sorry, man. He said, man, don't you ever. I said, man, I'm sorry. He said, man, I'm just joking, man. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so... <laughs> That, that was it. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. So you had a phenomenal career, and I think each year you got better. Um, when did you start to realize your worth in this game? Because I know there was some there was some talk about your contract, and you probably could have got paid a little bit more. You know, now you know, nowadays – oh, sorry. Go ahead. Um, you know, really, after my first year – which I knew, I mean, I didn't really realize I wasn't making a lot of money. I knew I wasn't making a, I thought it was fair, but I was playing so well. I loved the sport so much right. that I wasn't even worried about it. You know, wasn't worried about it. I mean, I just I just loved it. I just loved everything about it. Uh, and then my second year when I had the 2,000 yards, I'm like, because I was making 150,000 my first year, excuse me, and I was making a 175 the year after 2,000 yards. And I'm like, I'm, 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 I played this contract. Right. And guys are like telling me, man, Eric, you know, this is a business. Because I, I, I seen them cut guys. And I'm like, why they cut him? And money, I'm like, but he's a good, we need him. And they don't care. It's about money. And I'm so, you know, he said, I will never forget. It was a guy, Gary Jeter. He said, son, he said, you'll figure out one day. This is a business. This is about, this is business. He said, this is a sport, but it's business. So, you know, I want to try to get a better contract. And, and it always was, you know, you know how it is for us, man. We greedy. You know, we we don't we don't we're not a team player. 
always say, and I said, like I said in the book, have you ever seen a white quarterback ever hold out? No, I can tell you, they don't have to hold out. I don't think oh, a white player will never hold out. I mean, just they just don't have to, and it's no nothing against them because as a as a as a teammate, you don't blame the teammate. No. You blame the organization. You blame the organization. How they how they doing it? And they would just never do me right, and it was to the point where it was frustrating because I knew I was out playing that contract. It came to the point where I told John Shaw, who's the general manager. I said, John, I said, I've got to try to set a meeting up with him. It took forever to get a meeting with him. I said that I met him up at the Pico office, and I, I said, John, I said, you know, I led the league in Russia last year again. And uh, I, I said, I got to get paid. Right, man. He's like, you didn't lead the league in Russia. I said, yes, I did. And I know his, his little nasty boy, no, you didn't. I said, yes, I did, John. <laughs> no, you didn't. Eric Walter Payton did. I said, no, I led the league. I said, at 18, 21, I had 14 touchdowns. I never get hold on. Let me get the book. You go get. Oh, I was, I was you really so, sound like that. <laughs> that's how he sound. That's just how he sound. I, I got. I, I'm doing the audio book and I'm doing his voice. <laughs> Comes back. He looks at. Oh, you did lead the league. I want to say you know I led the league in rushing last year. So it was. It, I, man, Peanut. I told him. I said, look, John. Like I said, I said I have so much faith in my ability that if I just, if you just. Paid me like a, like a, like, I said, I, I know I tell him, I tell you, I, if I have over 1,500 yards, you give me a million dollars a year. If not, I'll go back to my, my original contract. I said, that's how much faith I have in my ability and my offensive line. Now, think about that. Yeah. I'm 50, not, not a thousand, I said 1,500. He said, no, nah, we're not going to do that. So at that point, man, it was just, it, it was, it was, it was over with. It just wasn't going to work with them. Now, how is it? So I'm, you're you're back with the Rams now as the Ram ambassador. Now, mm-hmm. kind of leaving, getting traded, going to uh, going to Indy, going there, going to LA, going to the Raiders. Um, how was it being back with the Rams now? Well, it's a different Rams organization. You know, it's, it's totally different ownership. Everything's way different now. You know, from when, when I was there. And I got to say, even with John Shaw, at the at the end of everything, uh, we had a meeting. Mm-hmm. Uh, he met with me. I think he read the book. He saw me. I met with him. And uh, he said, Eric, he said, I just want to say something to you. Because I didn't ever want to meet with him. Jackie Slater said to meet up. And he said, I just want to say something to you, Eric. He said, you were the greatest player I ever saw. He said, that portrayal should have never happened. That was my fault. He said, I just want to say I'm sorry. And you'll always be a ramp to us. And anything we can do for you, you let me know. That, that changed everything. Right. That changed right. everything. So from that point on, I would always do stuff with the Rams and John Shaw was with, with, with the GM. And then, you know, after they came back to LA, then I became official, officially, you know, with a title to, with the Los Angeles Rams. That's cool. So one one other thing real quick before we wrap this thing up. Um, I know you got your famous look with the goggles, the neck roll, the, <laughs> the Jerry curl. I didn't necessarily have the Jerry curl or the goggles because I don't wear glasses, but my teammates used to make fun of me so much because there's always that NFL poster that they have in the locker room and they want you to wear your pads like that. I was the I guy like who was that, like, like yeah, <laughs> I just was like, look, just give me my helmet, my pads. Like I'm, I'm good to go. I don't need anything special or fancy. Like my socks need to be done all nice. So, you know, as they say, you look good, you feel good, you play good. I just was like, look, just give me a damn helmet and some pads. Let me go peanut punt somebody. Like, that was my mentality. That was my attitude. I think you and I have that in common because did you think you look cool back with the hair, the long hair, and 
and and the and the goggles and the neck roll was was that cool? Was that just that was just your own little swag? Looking oh, back cool. on it now, how do you look? What do you say when you look at it now? Oh, cool as hell! Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I looked. I, I looked intimidating. That was my thing. I wasn't looking intimidating with the guy. With the guy. Well, I can't see at the goggles. The Jericho that was part of the deal. The neck roll. The neck roll didn't serve no purpose. I just prepared it pulled out, screwed down. It just it just looked cool. It looked good. You know, I had the towel on the side, my elbow pads on my, my wrist, uh, spatted up, taped up. So yeah, I thought I thought yeah, you look good, you play good. That was my motto. You look good, you play good. I didn't. I didn't really have a model. I just was like, you know what? Just give me my damn helmet so I can hit somebody. I didn't. I didn't really care. And my teammates used to. Well, I went to Carolina my last year, and I had by this time I'm I'm 33. We got guys that are like 22, 23, 24. So they're young. They're in their second year. I'm in my 13th season, and they just looking at me like peanut man where's your swag you look so corny you look so ugh. you look so boo-boo man why don't you you look like that goddamn poster right there you need some swag man let me, let me put some drip on you let me get you yeah i look us man look at this moment in time man i'm just trying to get through practice y'all like I'm, my body's sore i'm tired this is my 13th season Thank God we don't have these two-a-days. Like, when you were around, you had, like, the legit two-a-two-a-days. Yeah, the real two-a-day. I don't think I would have made it. I don't I, I don't think I would have made it when, when y'all played back in the day. Oh, man, I'm going to tell you, it was tough, bro. I told you. And I didn't talk about that in the book also, man. My first year, man, I, I, I was going to quit. I, <laughs> I, I told a guy, we were going through two-a-days. We went through two weeks of two-a-days, almost two into ten straight days, full pad, morning and evening, hitting, you know, Oof. tackling, everything. But and that I, was when you guys went to two days to get in shape, though, right? Well, I mean, there was I no training. Think. There was no. There was no off season, right? No, it was no off season. It was your. It was your deal to get in to get in shape. I right. always came in shape. So uh, we had we we came in, and I'll never forget. We went to the, these two days. I'm like, this is crazy. And I came out well on a morning practice. A morning practice guy named Otis Grant was a, a receiver from uh, Michigan State, and me and him were buddies. We standing there, I said, oh, this, I said, brother, it's nice meeting you, man. I said, I am not coming back to this nonsense this evening. <laughs> I said, man, I'm quitting. I said, I'm out of here. He said, really? I said, man, I said, he said, right. I said, I'm telling you. So sure enough, I went back to my room. I called my mother. I said, mama, I said, uh, I'm coming. I want to come home. She said, what? I said, I just, I said, this is too tough. She said, what you mean you want to come home? You going to quit? I said, yeah, she said, Oh, hell no, you ain't quitting now. She said, I don't like no football. She said, you, she said, you gonna take your ass back out there. That's what you signed up for. Take your ass back out there and get at it. And man, I know when I showed back up at practice that evening, Otis started laughing. I thought you gonna quit. I said, my mama wouldn't let me. So That's I had funny. no choice. That's funny. Man, I think in life, uh, life is hard. And in life, we have uh, guides to carry us through this long journey. And I think your mom, uh, Shaq, your roommate from college teaching you how to lift weights, you know, they played a, uh, a pivotal part kind of in your, in your life, kind of getting you to where you are right now. I'm the same way. I have my, uh, group of individuals that have helped me stay on my path when I was young and dumb and made some dumb <laughs> mistake and they kind of helped me along the way. So, uh, yeah, man, shout out to all those guides out there that help us along this journey that we call life. Um, Eric, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show, man. I appreciate you. Um, if y'all are listening, or I know y'all listening, y'all please buy this man's book, Watch My Smoke. 
Because he is fast. You still think he run a 4-3 on grass? Hell no. I can run a 6-3. A six <laughs> and if he hamstrings, couldn't take it no more. No way. It's, it's, over. it's over for me. Well, I, I can't thank you enough, man. I really enjoyed the book. I really appreciate how authentic and how real and vulnerable you were in this book. And I can't thank you enough. I hope it becomes a New York Times bestseller. Um, as an NFL player, uh, thank you for coming on, tuning in, and uh, I hope it does well. Yeah, thanks, bro. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it, man. Yes, sir. Thank you. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Take care. Have a good one, boss. Thanks for joining us on the NFL Players Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and follow at NFL Players Podcast on Instagram for the latest player stories and to connect with the NFL Players community. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.